Mark chapter 9, verses 23 and 24. And there's a greater context here, but if you don't take anything else from what we talk about this morning, I want you to take these two verses with you. Mark chapter 9, verse 23, Jesus said unto him, If thou can believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. And straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. Jesus told this man, if you believe, all things are possible. And the father says, I believe. But then he says, Lord, help my unbelief. How many of y'all can identify with that this morning? Like I said, it stepped on my toes. But in a good way. I was blessed to have my toes stepped on that day. All right? Now, as we study the book of Mark, we remember that Mark is teaching us who Jesus is by demonstrating what Jesus did. This is meant to give us an understanding of the Lord and an understanding of the love that he has for us. And that is all with the intention to foster faith in him, to foster not only our belief in him that he existed, that he is who he says he is, but to foster our trust in him. Mark shows us throughout this entire gospel how Jesus loved, how Jesus was patient, how Jesus forbear, forbore, forbeared. I should have written that word down. That Jesus bore along with us even when we were showing our lack of faith. Now I want you to take note of the Lord's patience. Now yes, the Lord could demonstrate some frustration from time to time. You look in verse 19. Jesus said, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him unto me. Yes, Jesus was frustrated from time to time with the unbelief of the people and with the unbelief of his disciples. In fact, many believe that when Jesus wept in John eleven thirty five, one of the things that was driving his tears was the lack of faith and the lack of hope that his disciples and the family of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus were showing at that moment. There are a lot of people that believe that. But Jesus, in spite of that, still showed his compassion and his love. He says in verse 19, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him unto me. Yet, as Jesus is saying, how much longer am I going to have to put up with this? He says, bring him to me, I'm going I'm I'm to help, all right? And what is driving the frustration with Jesus in verse 19 and in John chapter 11, and when Jesus told Peter to get thee behind me, Satan, for you savor not the things of God, but the things that are of man. You know, the, the, um, when he's in the boat with the disciples and the storm is coming over and Jesus is asleep and they wake him up, Master, cares I not that we perish? And Jesus says, you know, oh, what is he? He, he, the Bible tells us that he criticized them for their lack of faith, you know. He, oh, ye of little faith, wherefore did you doubt, you know. Um, even with his frustration, if you can call it frustration, he still loved. He still calmed the storm when they were in the ship. He raised Lazarus from the dead. He heals this young man that has this demon. And so you see the patience of Christ. You see the love of Christ. And so that's what, that's what Mark wants us to take away. He wants us to see Jesus and to see Jesus love and to see Jesus patient and for us to trust Jesus because of how loving and patient and graceful Jesus is. 
Now we have a situation in Mark chapter 9 that's unsettling. You have a man that has a son that is possessed by a dumb spirit. And this doesn't mean that the spirit was stupid. This means that the spirit was one that created a situation in which its victim could not speak. And this man, as Jesus was up on the mountaintop last week, you know, speaking with Moses and Elijah and Peter, James, and John were up there. As all that's going on, this man is down here at the foot of the mountain with the disciples of Jesus. He brings his demon-possessed son to the disciples, and he asked them to help, and the disciples did what they had been doing all along. They, they prayed, they laid hands, they did whatever they did to cast out devils, but this time, it didn't go. It didn't work. And when the disciples failed to cast out this devil, ooh, that got some attention. Because when Jesus comes down to the bottom of the mountain, the Bible says he saw a great multitude about them and the scribes questioning them. You ever, like, make a mistake? You ever, you ever experience a failure? And when you fail in front of your friends, it's embarrassing, but they're your friends. But when you fail in front of your enemies, now they get to say, ha-ha, we got you. And that's really embarrassing, isn't it? To have something go wrong and have the wrong person there to see it when it goes wrong. And that's where these disciples are. So Jesus comes down to the bottom of the mountain. There's a multitude and there's the scribes. And Jesus says, what is this? <laughs> and the people were greatly amazed. And he asked the scribes, what question you with them? And one of the multitude answered and said, Master, I brought unto thee my son. And he lays out the situation. I brought my son, demon possessed, took him to your disciples. They couldn't help him. That's our situation. Now, when Jesus evaluates this situation, how does he diagnose the problem? In verse 19, he says, Oh, faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? This problem was a problem of a lack of faith. Everybody had a lack of faith in this situation. The father and his son, lack of faith. That's what gives demons power to work, is a lack of faith. The scribes were there to challenge the disciples and kind of make fun and revel in their defeat. Lack of faith. The disciples' inability to cast out this demon. Lack of faith. How did the disciples have a lack of faith? We'll talk about that. Because you might think that they were in the right. But when our focus goes from what God can do to what we can do, guess what we're losing? Our faith. Or at least we're shifting our faith from God to ourselves. Yet in spite of this, Jesus steps in and heals. So from chapter 9, we learn, first of all, that our real problems are spiritual problems. Yes. Second thing we learn is that belief, faith, is the remedy to our problems. And third, we learn that Christ helps our unbelief. That's right. So first of all, I want us to realize that our real problems are spiritual, not physical. Verses 17 and 18. And one of the multitude answered and said, Master, I have brought unto thee my son, which hath a dumb spirit. 
And wheresoever he taketh him, he teareth him, and he foameth, and he gnasheth with his teeth, and pineth away. And I spake to thy disciples and they, that they should cast him out, and they could not. Now this son, he has physical problems. Wherever he goes, he is tore. He is foaming. He is gnashing his teeth. He's got issues. And there are physical symptoms of these issues. However, the physical problems that he is experiencing are nothing more than physical symptoms of a spiritual problem. And the father of this son recognizes that this was a spiritual issue. He recognizes that this son has a dumb spirit, an unclean spirit, a demonic spirit. The son was possessed. The son had a spiritual issue with physical symptoms. Now, Jesus could have said, okay, well, your son throws himself around. Let's give him a helmet so he doesn't hurt his head. And let's give him a mouthpiece so he doesn't injure himself with gnashing his teeth. Maybe we can get, mix up a little potion here that will calm him down. What does this sound like? This sounds like modern medicine, right? Your kid is not behaving well and you can't get him to act right. Let's give him a pill. And sometimes you need the pill. Sometimes you need the helmet. Sometimes you need the mouthpiece. But all those do is treat the symptoms. Yeah, we have psychotropic medications that help with anxiety, that, that help with mental illness. And, and they have their place, but they don't cure. They just treat the symptom. Had a friend in high school, they put him on an antidepressant. He thought that the antidepressant was going to make all his problems go away and he was going to be happy. No, he took the antidepressant for a month. And he said, Leland, what it did was it killed my emotions. Yeah. He said, so I'm still dealing with my problems, but I'm just dealing with my problems. It gave him the ability to look at his problems and see what his problems really were, but it didn't make the problems go away. So he quit taking the medication. Now, in our case, we've had kids that we put on medication to be able to calm them down so they could get through a class day so that they could learn and not rack up a bunch of disciplinary problems at school. But the pills, the medicines, they just treat the symptoms. And sometimes you do have to treat the symptoms so you can get down to the disease. What I want you to understand is that the disease is spiritual. The problems we have may have physical or tangible symptoms, but the problems are spiritual. Marital discord is the physical symptom of a greater spiritual issue. Anger, angst, is a physical symptom of a greater spiritual issue. Substance abuse is a physical symptom of a spiritual issue. My friend in high school, I told you, took the antidepressant medications. He had a bad substance abuse problem. And even his mother said that we've got to get down to what makes this kid think that he needs to become under the influence of something. It's not how she said it, but that's what she meant. Like Leland, your friends all talk like road scholars. No, I have to clean up the messages a little bit. There was a physical symptom substance abuse that had a deeper spiritual problem at the root of our problems are spiritual issues 
Medication will treat the symptom, but faith will cure the disease. Amen. Now, there's a lot of problems that we have, a wide range of problems, and you may say, Leland, you're oversimplifying the cure, and I understand that there is a process to work through. I'm not saying, hey, if you'll just believe today, everything will be okay. But I'm telling you, physical symptoms belong to a spiritual disease. Now, if you break your leg, that's a physical problem with a physical symptom. I'm talking about the deeper psychological, the, the deeper spiritual stuff here. All right? Where do spiritual issues, where do spiritual diseases come from? Spiritual issues and spiritual diseases come from faithlessness, come from a lack of faith. In verse 19, Jesus said, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him unto me. When Jesus lambasted the faithless generation, he was getting on to everybody. This man and his son for their lack of faith. It's worldly living. It is secular living. It is living as if God does not exist. That brings in spiritual problems. That brings in demonic infiltration. You don't have to buy a Ouija board in order to invite a demonic presence into your house. You just live as if God does not exist. And they'll take up residence. He was getting on to the disciples for their lack of faith. This man brings his son. He says he's got a demon. And they say, oh, we do this all the time. Let's just lay some hands on him and, and say a prayer. They began to trust their own power in lieu of God's own power. That's a lack of faith. Our spiritual issues stem from a lack of faith. We don't trust God's grace. We don't trust God's love. We feel that we have to somehow... Earn God's favor. Earn God's trust. We have to live up to a certain standard in order to please God so that he'll bless us. That's lack of faith. You're not trusting God's grace. And so you try to live up to that standard. Let me tell you what's at the end of that road. I watched that movie. Spoiler alert. It ain't a happy ending. I watched that movie. I lived that movie. You want me to tell you what that kind of lack of faith does to you? That kind of lack of faith makes you scared. Uh -huh. Because you're afraid of how God will punish you if you slip up. Yeah. And you're afraid of how the church will ostracize you if you happen to show the weakness. <laughs> so somebody comes and visits with us. A first-time visitor, maybe a repeat visitor, maybe they've been with us for a while. And they say or do something that just ain't fundamental Baptist. <laughs> well, I can't give the appearance of compromise. I have to say something. Right? And so I hurt feelings. Not in order to edify and to bring somebody closer into God's presence, but just so everybody else knows that I'm not compromising what happens their feelings are hurt that relationship is broken mm -hmm. I'm not happier y'all are wondering why I said or did what I did that's what's at the end of that road yeah. we don't trust the grace of God 
We don't trust the power of God. I've got to correct everything that this other guy is doing over here. I can't trust God to do all that correction. I'm supposed to be the one to do it. What happens? We get to eating each other. You show me a legalistic church where the membership is eating each other, constantly tearing each other down for every flaw and every sin and every imperfection, I will show you a church that does not trust the grace of God. That doesn't mean we just accept everything goes. What that means is we understand that God loves us and he gives us room to grow and grace and space in order to grow in his knowledge and to conform to what he wants us to be. But when we don't trust his grace, we have no faith in him because his grace is who he is. We still want to earn his favor. And we can't do that. Because the Bible says even our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. Well, what about, what what, what can we do then? We can't. God loves us. Can we learn to trust that? This person comes in and they've got an obvious sin in their life. I come in, I've just gotten better at hiding mine. Doesn't make me any better. We don't trust God's word. We trust our feelings instead. The Bible says, Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, I will repay. Mm -hmm. Amen, hallelujah. God's going to judge them. But we still feel the need to get to them first, don't we? Because we want them to know exactly why they're suffering. We can't let anybody get one over on us, can we? No, we're trusting our feelings. The Bible defines sin. The Bible tells us how to live in light of God's word. The Bible tells us what God wants us to do. But sometimes that seems just a little too painful. That doesn't feel right to us. We're going to trust our feelings instead of God's word. We're not trusting God's word. Man says, get while the getting's good. God says, this is New Leland translation, give while the giving's good. What did, the, what, what did Jesus say? It's better to give than receive? Yeah. yeah. So it's better to put $20 in the offering plate than take 20 out? But what's the bigger... She's saying it's not okay to take the 20 out. She's with me. She's with me. But we, that's how we think about it, don't we? I have to write a check. I wrote the check. I'm good. But Brother Jim mentioned this morning that the Christian life is a life of sacrificial love. It's a life of putting others first. It's a life of loving who nobody else will love. It's a life of giving what nobody else will give. It's a life of being committed to what nobody else will commit themselves to. But that doesn't feel good sometimes. Because sometimes you love, sometimes you give, sometimes you live for, sometimes you put yourself out there. And what do they do? They burn you. They just, they just go on. You, you've given so much and they go away. And they leave you behind. That don't feel good. That ain't right. I ain't doing that no more. I'm doing me. I was arguing with God one day. 
And I'd love to tell you this is 20 years ago when I was still lost. I didn't know any better. No, this was like 20 days ago. <laughs> and so um, I was coming down Sutter Street. I was going to pull into the church building. I was going to turn the air conditioners on a day early so that it would be nice and cool when y'all got in here. And I'm, I'm, I'm dealing with this personal tragedy. And, and, and I'm, I'm angry about this personal tragedy. I'm still angry about this personal tragedy, by the way. I'm still wrestling with God over this. But I'm like, God, I stepped up. I did. I stepped up. I followed what it said in your word. I loved like Jesus. I gave. I sacrificed. I stood up. I spoke the truth. I put myself out there. And I am just being slaughtered in front of everybody. And God says, yeah. Tell me about how that feels. Ooh. <laughs> we get to trusting our feelings, though, don't we? Yeah. I ain't doing that again. I ain't following through on that commitment. We're trusting our feelings. We're not trusting what God's word says. Yeah. We don't trust God's power and wisdom. We trust our own abilities and wisdom instead. I go in to visit these patients and the, the these hospice patients and. Um, oh, I know what verse to use in this situation. There's a Bible passage. I know what Bible verse to use. I know what to say in this situation. I've read Focus on the Family. I know what to say. What am I doing? I'm trusting my own abilities. When I do that, do you know what happens when I go in and I visit with those patients? I start sharing those scriptures. My words do this. When I sit and I listen... I allow God to direct my words. Or maybe God doesn't give me words. Maybe God just has me sitting there and they talk. And then they say, thank you so much. You've made such a difference. I'm like, I didn't say nothing. It's because God did the talking that day. But when we trust ourselves, when we trust our feelings, all right, when we don't trust God's word, we are showing faithlessness. We're not trusting him. We're trusting the tangible. And that's where spiritual problems happen. My spiritual struggles come from when I don't trust God's provision. My personal spiritual struggles, when I get into a, phys- a spiritual issue, when I start to have my anger and my depression, it's because I'm looking at the... I used to say looking at the balance sheets, but accounting has taught me that I'm not using that word right. When I start looking at the finances, I'm looking at the future of the finances. I ain't, ain't going to make it. I got to do something. I become discontent and I want to earn my own way. That's my struggle. Mm-hmm. What's your struggle? Where do you start to lose faith in the Lord? Sometimes you run into problems. And sometimes you run into spiritual problems, and it's a struggle, and the struggle is real. And nobody seems to be able to help you. Nobody, you come to church, you're hurting, you're struggling. You don't even know how to tell people about it. They don't know how to help you. Maybe you do tell somebody about it. Okay, listen, I got this problem. Here's what's happened. You break down, you just, I mean, the, the, the facade has been taken down. You're like, Here, here's my... Here's my baggage. And you open that suitcase and you pour it all over the floor. And you're putting yourself in front of, 
your brother or sister in Christ, you're putting yourself in front of their mercy, and they step back and go, oh, 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 brother, I'll be praying for you. And they hit the door. Wow, that hurts, don't it? Well, don't be mad at them. They don't know what to do. In verse 18, his father says, I spake to thy disciples that they should cast him out, and they could not. Sometimes we just don't know what to do. Sometimes we don't have an answer. Sometimes we can't help. Sometimes we're just caught up in our own struggle and too hurt to be able to help. And when we fail you like that, and we are going to fail you like that, when we fail you like that, please don't be mad. We're just frail human beings too. Faithlessness is where our spiritual struggles come from. And the solution to our problems is faith. Faith is the remedy to our spiritual problems. In verses 22 through 23, this man says, If you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said unto him, If thou can believe, all things are possible to him that believes. The father said, Jesus, if you can do anything, help us. Okay, Lord, I'm not even going to ask for healing now. I'm just anything, maybe a little bit of comfort, maybe, you know, some money in the bank so I can at least eat at Chili's to numb my pain. I don't know, okay? Uh, Just give me something. If you can do anything, Lord, help. And Jesus said, if you can believe, all things are possible to those who believe. This father he knows who he's talking to. He's talking to Jesus. He knows Jesus heals. He knows Jesus has divine power. He has a little bit of doubt, though. Jesus wants the Father to know more than just Jesus is there. Jesus wants his Father to know more than just help is out there somewhere. Jesus wanted this Father to know who he is. And he wanted the Father to believe. And to have faith. You see, God does not want you praying a prayer that says, God, if you're up there. No, he wants you to pray knowing he's there. He wants you to pray in faith. See, the solution to our problems, to our spiritual problems, is not manning up and facing them like a man. No, the, the solution is to trust the Lord. How many times does scripture tell us to trust the Lord and not to lean on our own understanding? Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. So quit leaning on what can you do and what can't you do. And that's usually what we do. We think about what we can't do. And quit thinking about that and be trusting the Lord. And acknowledge his presence and his provision in all things. That's faith. That's Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. The Bible tells us in the book of Isaiah that his ways are higher than our ways, right? He thinks on a higher level. He operates on a higher level. He sees things that we don't see. There are actually a lot of verses that talk about this. But at the end of the day, all they teach us is to trust in the Lord. To trust in who Jesus is. The only begotten Son of God. God who took on flesh. I keep going back to John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. 
All things were made by him, and without anything, and without him was not anything made that was made. God, the Word, Christ, with God, is God, is of God, is divine. Right? And what did he do with that divinity? What did he do with his power and his majesty? What did he do with that? The Bible tells us in John chapter 1 verse 14, And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. He took on the flesh. He became a man. He became a man and he took on some human limitations with that. Y'all ever get tired? Yeah, you do. I see you Sunday morning. That head droops down. You jump back up. But I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. I have, the same, I, I have the same issue. Jesus got tired. You ever get hungry? Jesus got hungry. Yes. You ever not quite been able to get comfortable at night? Mm-hmm. Jesus slept on the ground. Mm-hmm. He went through all that. The Bible tells us he came into his own. He became a man and went into his own, went to his people, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, gave he the power to become the sons of God. That's what, I mean, that's the fundamental cornerstone of our faith right there. That was empowered by the resurrection, but it was what the resurrection accomplished. Giving us the power to become the sons of God. That's who he is. Why would somebody go through all that? Because he loved us. That's who he is. Trust who he is. Trust his power. Trust his wisdom. And as you learn to trust him, these impossible situations will suddenly become possible. Mm -hmm. We'll see resolution. Because the Lord will deal with the spiritual problems that are causing the physical symptoms. Mm-hmm. You've got this wayward child that will not repent. You've got this spouse that will not get common sense. You've got this boss or this adversary. How do we deal with them? We can't. It's impossible. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. So we trust the Lord. He deals with the impossibilities. I can spank my children all day long. I don't do that. But I can spank my children all day long. But unless the Lord gives them the wisdom, they're not going to, it's not going to click. And they can leave my presence and be so glad to be out of my horrible household that doesn't have Fox Sports. And they can go and leave my horrible household. And I can say, Lord, get them. He can do things to them and reach them in ways that I cannot. I've got to trust him with that. Maybe the addiction that or maybe it's not an addiction per se. Maybe it's just that sin that you don't seem to be able to overcome. Mm-hmm. As long as you're trying to overcome it yourself, you're going you're gonna to keep failing. Mm-hmm. Trust him. He'll fix it. Amen. Say, 
Leland, you keep talking about trusting Jesus. <laughs> it ain't that simple. Yeah, it is. Well, then if it's that simple, why can't I seem to do it? That's the next verse. <laughs> we go to verse 24. And straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help thou my unbelief. Yes. That's King James. Lord, I believe. Help thou my unbelief. That's not how he said it, I don't think. I think he said something to the effect of, Lord, I believe. Please help. Help me. I, I, I want to believe. Please help me believe. Please. And Jesus goes, okay. For that. Seriously, this guy's desperate. We see, the, we see the characters on the flannel graph from when we were children in Sunday school, and they all, they all look like this. I don't think that's how he looked. This man thinks he believes. He thinks he believes in Jesus. But then here he is in the presence of Jesus, and he realizes what I think I believe. I don't know that I really believe it like I should. I'm, something's falling short with me. Lord, help me. He calls out to Jesus to help his unbelief. You know what? That's probably the most faith we have seen so far in the book of Mark. Here's a guy that realizes that when it comes to belief, even with that, he's got a certain amount of disability. He calls on the Lord to help. That faith involves knowing that we can't, but he can. And that he does through us. But have you ever felt like this man in verse 24? This man who, he knows the truth. He knows what the Bible says. He knows the Bible verses. But he is still somewhere short of trusting it. Have you ever known what the Bible says? Man, I've got a really bad illness here. I've, I've got a bad situation here. The Bible says, if any of you be sick, let him call upon, let him call for the elders and let them come and lay hands on him. And if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. The Bible tells us, the Bible actually tells you all to call me when you're sick, when you're going into the hospital, when, when you're having a spiritual issue. Y'all are actually supposed to call me on that. Well, we don't want to bother the preacher. He's busy. No, I'm, but, th but that's what I do. Yeah, I'm busy. I'm busy doing what God wants me to do. And if you're having an issue, sometimes I'm just busy watching TV, okay? And that can be interrupted. But if I'm not watching TV, I'm busy doing what God wants me to do. Mostly. But... If you need prayer, praying with you and ministering to you is what God wants me to do. Yes. So I just move a checker, and I'm, I'm going to go see Miss Rosemary now, all right? Um, writing the blog post will have to wait till tonight. Working on my homework for school will happen tomorrow, you know? And, 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 and you know, hospice visitation, yeah. I can reschedule those, okay? So I've got a lot of freedom here. The Bible tells you you're supposed to call me. Call for the elders of the church. Maybe if not the pastor, maybe an elder. Mm -hmm. That's just about every one of you men, by the way. That's right. <laughs> um, and pray over him. Yes. Well, okay, so we're going to pray. But man, we've been doing that a lot. It doesn't really work. You know what the Bible says, but do you trust it? And I do my little inventory of myself. I say, oh, I know what the Bible says. Oh, I believe what the Bible says. Do I trust what the Bible says? Mm, that's a tough one. It's with that unbelief that we can turn to the Lord and say, Lord, help my unbelief. The Lord recognizes your humility in that situation, and the Lord lifts up the humble. 
He lifts up the fallen. He lifts up, he lifts up the broken. Those that come to him and say, Lord, my hands are empty, but, you know, here, he responds to that. In fact, in verse 29, Jesus told his disciples, this kind can come forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. Do you, I don't know how much y'all know about fasting. Do you do fasting around Thanksgiving? Anybody fast at Thanksgiving? I don't. No, because you got plenty. When do you fast? When you got nothing. The Lord responds to this. He responds to the nothingness. He responds to you coming and saying, I can't do it. I don't have it. I need help. He lifts up the humble. He lifts up the fallen. He lifts up the, bro- he lifts up the broken. What he resists is the proud. The Pharisee that stands before the temple and says, God, I thank you that I'm not like this publican over here. The millionaire that wants to join the church goes, God, I'm going to honor you by giving you a million dollars of my one billion dollar enterprise and you can build a recreation center on the church with it. You know, now if that millionaire is coming to him with a humble heart, he'll honor that. But if this millionaire is wanting to build something and to name it after himself, God resists that. He resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. That's God's pattern in all things. He lifts up the humble. He resists the proud. The Lord heals. And the Lord heals unbelief. More often than not, I have found myself in verse 24. Lord, I believe. Help thou my unbelief. I've, I went to seminary two years. I've been in pastoral ministry for 13 years. I have been in ministry of some sort for 15 years. And when I say it like that, it doesn't seem like it's been that much time. Seems like it's been, a, it seems like I, I feel still very young in all this. But I've been around the Bible a lot. I've read through it at least twice. I've written papers about it. I've researched it. I've done word studies. I've read the Bible dictionaries. I have been mentored by some of the best Bible teachers the world has to offer. I mean that. You've never heard of these men, but they, they were great Bible teachers. I'm sure Brother Wayman will tell me that the Bible teachers he was mentored under were some of the best in the world. And they had credentials, and that's, that's, that's believable. And, and, you know, and we've been mentored by some of the best. We know what the Bible says. We know Bible teachings. Brother Jimmy, retired pastor, international missionary. He's gone places I'll probably never see. Served our country in ways I will never be able to. He knows what the Bible says. He also knows what the Bible doesn't say. That angel sing. Brother Frank, same thing. Brother Frank... He's pretty humble about it, but he can lay some Bible truth down on you. <laughs> Brother Jim. Brother Jim comes by his Bible teaching and his Bible understanding the honest way. He studied it out. He researched it. He tried it. He tested it. He learned it. He believed it. We know what the Bible says. We know what the Bible says. And we believe it's true. Not a single one of us thinks that God lied to us. How many of y'all think God lied to you? Not a single one of you. 
knowing it's true, how many of y'all struggle to trust it? To just let go and trust it. I saw a hand. Everybody else is afraid to raise. That's, that's where we are sometimes. Yes. Lord, I believe. Help thou my unbelief. We look at this entire situation. You have a man with a son with a demon-possessed spirit, and he needs help. And he's got a faith problem. The disciples have a faith problem. The scribes have a faith problem. Everybody's got a faith problem. Everybody's struggling with their belief. But Jesus, in his compassion, healed the unbelief, and then he healed the spiritual problem. What do we learn from all this? We learn what we learned in Bible school and they taught us that song, Jesus loves me, this I know. We learn that Jesus loves us. We learn that Jesus loves you. You learn that God loves you. The second thing you learn is that you can trust that love that he has for you. Let us stand.